The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this episode are that of the guest and host and do not necessarily reflect the values of sponsors or other associated organizations. Welcome to the Parental Compass by Family Education and Support Services. I'm your host, Bobby Williams. Please subscribe to the show. I also want to know, what do you think? The way that you can let us know that is by leaving us a review. It's a small thing that really means a lot to us. I am a huge proponent of helping young people to develop a passion. What is that activity and their life that gives them a sense of purpose? With that comes questions though. How do you help them find that thing? What about when that thing becomes boring or challenging? Is there a way that you can help them to develop more grit? Or is it time to let go and let them try something else? We get into all of those questions and more with today's guest, Dr. Melanie McNally. Dr. Melanie is a clinical psychologist. She is also a life coach for adolescents, tweens, teens, and young adults. You can learn more about Dr. Melanie's work and even schedule an appointment with her by going to destinationu.com. We cover a lot of ground in this interview. Let's get into it. It's, there's so much stimulation that happens on a screen. And just to preface it, I'm not anti-tech at all, but you know there is so much stimulation that happens on a screen, whether you're scrolling or gaming or watching a video, that the real world can't compete. And so when, especially a kid, when they're on there and they're just getting all of that stimulation and then they go and they try and like play outside or, or maybe they try and read, it, there's not that stimulation that they're getting from a screen. And so of course they're gonna wanna go back to the screen because that's what their brain, their brain is craving. It's craving all those dopamine dumps. Mm, it's just more fun than real life. Yeah. Well, then how do we combat the screens or get them engaged in doing things? Well, getting them engaged in things, you know, so limiting the amount of screen time that they have at home, having periods of time where there are no screens used in the house by anyone. So whenever I'm working with parents, I always recommend have, you know, and, and you can start small. So if you're in a house where everyone's on screens constantly, you could start with like, you know, 15 minutes, you know, where 15 minutes a day, no one's on a screen. And then you kind of gradually increase that time to help their brain get used to that discomfort and that feeling of boredom that kind of pops up or that understimulation. The screens sound like they're just a first step towards finding the passion. So you limit the screen time. What do you do next to get them out there? So we want to think of, you know, when we think of passion, we have to start with, or when we think of even like overall purpose, you know, we want teens and young adults, we want them to have some sense of purpose in life. So we want to start with finding passion and, or even curiosities and curiosity fuels passion, which then fuels purpose. So we can encourage kids to explore things that they're curious about without any strings attached. 
So just letting them kind of follow it and not making it into a huge thing where, oh, you like playing baseball in the yard. Let's get you on a team, you know, but just letting them kind of explore that and see where it leads. um, That's a really good first step is just letting them get curious. And, you know, and when we're not on screens, we have more time to be curious. So then, okay, they get curious. They're trying out different things at home is it just a matter of like signing them up for different classes at that point or well it's helpful if parents can start to point out any themes or intersections that you notice so if you notice that your kid is really into nature you know you might say wow like you're spending a lot of time outdoors or maybe your teen loves listening to music and they're starting to like, you know, strum a little bit on the guitar, you might point that out like, wow, it seems like you're really interested in learning as much as you can about music. So you're helping them notice like any intersections, themes, any overlaps, having them and then encouraging them to spend more time in those interests. So whether it's like reading articles about it or books about it, um, maybe watching a TED talk on the topic, using that particular interest for like a classroom project. So now you're kind of like building on the curiosity, you're adding this other kind of layer of depth to it. And then once they've, you know, they're showing that they're sticking with it, they haven't gone on to something else, then you can start to talk about like what they're learning and, you know, and how you you notice the curiosity sticking, you're going deeper with it. And now you're talking about maybe taking lessons or joining a team or going to a camp on the topic. And so it's just kind of like gently adding the layers to it. Not overdoing it, just letting it build over time. Yeah, exactly. I work with a lot of youth who've been through trauma and oftentimes they're just, you know, they're dealing with a lot of depression. And so it seems like if you just are low energy all the time and not very motivated, it's hard to figure out passions. Mm-hmm. For sure. And and that can be really tough. And so that's, yeah, you want, that's why you want to just start with what they're curious about you know, and, and, and starting in that very first phase. And if somebody is dealing with depression or they're dealing with trauma, knowing that it might take them a little bit longer, you know, because first they need, they need psychological safety in order to get curious in order to find what they're passionate about. And so that, that might take a little bit more time for them to build and to kind of get to those different layers. Whereas another kid who doesn't have that history of depression or trauma, they might dive into it a lot deeper. So kind of recognizing where the teen is at and then just working at their pace. It's like the hierarchy of needs. If you can get your base needs met first, then you can explore passions and start building on yourself. Absolutely. Oftentimes too, I feel like it goes hand in hand, like the more engaged you are, the less depressed you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it. I mean, and there is there is a lot of research showing that when people, you know, are more engaged in the world, when they're more active or more social, it does have a really great effect in terms of depressive symptoms. 
And, but again, it's, you know, you don't want to throw, if we're talking about a kid who's dealing with depression, we don't want to just like throw, throw them in it because then that's going to be overwhelming. And then it's just going to cause them to shut down and avoid. And so you want to start off slow, but if it's a, if it's a kid who's not dealing with depression and then you're getting them more engaged, you'll start to see results, you know, um, you'll start to see the gains get bigger and bigger each day. And then they'll even feel the results. And then that's going to encourage them to want to be more social or to be more engaged in the world. Well, it sounds like a running theme of what you're saying is just keep it low pressure. I think us adults sometimes reflect on our lives and it's like, man, if I would have just kept playing piano since I was eight, I'd be this master piano player now. And you, you kind of want that for your child, too, that it's like, just get into something, be into it. Don't quit the first time it gets hard, but that's tough. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny, though, because I think sometimes when parents reflect on that, they don't consider, but would I have been happy if my whole life was devoted to piano? Like, yeah, maybe if I would have stuck with it, I would be this fantastic pianist, but maybe I'd be miserable because that's not really where my my interests lie. And, you know, to kind of keep that perspective. But I think with teens, you know, as they're spending more time in their passions and, you know, and as parents are talking to them about, um, what they're passionate about, they can even start to introduce the idea of what challenge, you know, what world challenge or global challenge could your passion help solve? And to start thinking in like those broader terms. And so helping them think of, you know, what what really makes them angry or what really breaks their heart and how could you use your your passion or your interest to help solve that problem? And then that leads them into purpose and finding their purpose. And then once we have purpose, then we're now we're able to really do a lot with that. What I see in a lot of youth that I've worked with is that when something gets hard the first time there's a low pain tolerance for it and then they quit and there's something too like building up resilience and having that stick with itness like how can you build more resiliency with youth and their passions yeah so you know so now we're talking about grit you know helping them develop or build that muscle of grit and grit really is a combination of passion and perseverance towards a goal. And so when they do have something that they're passionate about or something that they're they're interested in, and as a parent, when you recognize that, like, yeah, they're really interested in playing the drums. And I can tell the only reason why they want to quit is because it's getting boring or because now it's getting more challenging for them. Then as you know, and you know your teen or your tween the best. So when you recognize that they're not, it's not really a lack of interest. It's more that this got too difficult or it got too boring. And so then you want to push them as far as sticking with it and having that perseverance. So we're much better as humans, we're much better at, at sticking things, sticking with things when first, when we're passionate about what we're doing or we have a purpose. Second, when we have a strong mindset. And third, when we have the willpower. And so when parents recognize that this is something that, you know, we're passionate about or that their kid is interested in, 
then focusing in on the other two areas when their teen starts talking about wanting to quit. So maybe we need to work on the willpower aspect. Maybe we need to work on the mindset aspect. And how do you do that? How do you work on it? So with mindset, it's teaching teens how to control their thoughts. That's a really invaluable tool. So helping them understand, first of all, that feelings aren't facts, that they have a choice in what they think, and that they don't constantly have to give into every impulsive thought that they have. And so when you can teach them how to get some control over their thoughts and shift and, you know, shift their mindset a bit, that can help to build that, that grit muscle quite a bit. And I know we're kind of getting into the the nitty gritty of this, but then how do you teach that? Is it just like take some deep breaths and reflect, or is there just a simple thing parents can start to do at home that will build that up? Yeah. So first of all, modeling um, modeling thought control is always uh, the best because especially with teens, they are learning a lot more through example that as opposed to like lecture or conversations. So when parents model their own thought control or model how they, you know, um, monitor their own internal dialogue, that can be invaluable. So that can really teach teens how to do that themselves. And then another thing is when a teen does share some negative thoughts or when they're sharing um, more like those those thought errors, like black and white thinking um, or, you know, like the should, I should be better, I should be able to do this. When parents notice those kinds of thoughts popping up to gently challenge them and kind of point out like, wow, you know, you're really thinking about this in like a black and white way. I wonder what the gray would look like. You know, I wonder what the in-between would look like in this in this particular area. Or if you're noticing that they're catastrophizing, you know, pointing that out to them in a very gentle way and then challenging them to think about things differently. What I love about what you're saying is it's asking, not telling, like letting them explore their thoughts, not being like, well, you're wrong and this is the reality. Yeah, that, that never works with teens. Okay, so we went through the two elements and you said there's a third to build also? Yeah, so uh, building willpower and training willpower or perseverance. So, you know, the best way to start with willpower is actually the physical aspect. So we, because we can have mental willpower and we can have physical, but physical is actually a really good area to start with first. And then the mental part will, will come from that. So having them engage in like physically challenging kinds of activities so that they get exposure to really hard things that they can overcome. And it can be, you know, um, smaller things like, you know, fasting or Mm -hmm. having them do like meditations that increasingly get longer and longer. It can even be like cold exposure, you know, doing like cold water plunges Those, those are really good ways to build that physical willpower. And so the physical willpower teaches the lesson you can do difficult things. For sure. And then, and then we can start 
having them do more mentally challenging kinds of things, you know, with the stimulation removal. So taking time away from devices and increasing the amount of time um, or having them do things that they consider boring because then they're learning that mental willpower of sticking with something, even when it's really boring um, having them do like visualizations or focusing kinds of exercises so that they're learning how to train their brain to stick with something when it's really hard or when it's really redundant. For parents, I think you talked about modeling and it seems important to still have your own passions as adults. That's hard sometimes though. Yeah, you know, and and I'm I'm not a parent. I can only imagine how difficult that would be to balance, you know, your needs with your kids' needs, especially I know when they're younger, I hear that from parents a lot because, you know, their their kids tend to be a little bit more demanding or need a little more attention. But then maybe as the child ages and they start to become more independent and to do things on their own, that's a really good time for the parent to use that time to start to build some of their own interests, some of their own passions, um, to have hobbies. It's so healthy for parents to have hobbies and interests that are completely outside the family. You know, I have a friend who is a marathoner, like an ultra marathoner, and it is so good for her kids to see her training and to see her running races. Like she's got a life outside of them, but also they see her putting in really, really hard physical and mental work to make these things possible. I think another element of this is rest. Can you talk about the importance of having rest too? Yes, that is huge because when, like we talked a little bit earlier about having those foundational pieces in place, we think of rest and sleep, that's recovery you know, our brain needs recovery, our bodies need recovery. So teens, especially they need sleep and they need really deep, good sleep. Um, and that's why it's important not to be on screens right before bed. So their brain has a, you know, a good time to shut down and start to decompress. But there's so much happening behind the scenes when we're sleeping, you know, that's when our brain is like editing information, it's processing things, it's consolidating things together. So we want our brain to like get a chance to do all of that. And then we also will be much better at the gritty, building that gritty muscle and sticking with things that are hard because our brain has been rested and, and so is our body. Can you give some final words of encouragement to all the parents listening? Yeah, so I know parents out there are doing the best they can. And, you know, so whatever level you're at, um, wherever you are, whether it's with screens or helping your kids, you know, find what they're passionate about or developing their grit, think it's not a comparison to what other people are doing. It's more of recognizing like, okay, this is where we are right now. And let's just look at what would be a 1% a improvement and how can we create that small 1%. So it's not about jumping to like 90%, but just doing small changes each day. Dr. Melanie McNally, thank you for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. 
Thank you, Dr. Melanie McNally, DestinationU.com. Schedule an appointment with her. Learn more about the incredible work she is doing. This has been the Parental Compass by Family Education and Support Services. I'm Bobby Williams. We'll see you next week. Peace.